0: welcome to sound and vision
1: conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process here's the host
0: of sound and vision brian alfred the sound and vision podcast book is now available for pre-order why i make art features an in-depth look at 30 artists from chris martin to robin williams there's also thematic quote sections and images from sketches artists contributed to the Sound guest book. It has a foreword written by Rishikesh Hirway of the Song Exploder podcast and Netflix show. You can get your copy at the Atelier Edition's website. There's a link in the Sound and Vision website to pre-order yours today. My solo show, Escape Plan, is up now at Miles McHenry Gallery at 511 West 22nd Street in Manhattan. The show will be up until April 23rd you can check out the catalog at the Miles McHenry website. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School. The school welcomes artists from around the world to join us this summer in New York City or virtually from anywhere in the world to learn from dedicated artists and to expand as makers in the school's legendary marathon program. Rigorous and immersive, marathons unfold over 10 days from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time daily, and present an extensive range of art-making strategies, comprehensive critiques, and inspirational discussions. Expansive first-hand discoveries propel artists to relate to drawing, painting, and sculpture as direct methodologies for understanding their experience in the world, the profound impact of which continues far beyond each marathon's conclusion. Generous partial scholarships are available. Visit nyss.org to apply today. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. All the paintings in my current show are made with Golden. And in fact, I've been using Golden for about 20 years. Golden makes the best acrylics, oils, and watercolors in the business. You can find them in your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Based in Seattle, Fulcrum makes incredible coffee that you can have delivered to your door. They have subscription services where you can have different blends delivered that you tailor to your favorite balance of coffee beans. You could save 20% on your order by entering the code ALFREDSTUDIO when you order from their site. Check out their amazing coffee at FulcrumCoffee.com. Allison J. Evans was born in New Haven, Connecticut, and currently lives and works in Brooklyn. She received a BA from Dartmouth College in Hanover, New Hampshire, and an MFA from Hunter College in New York City. Allison has exhibited her work at TSA in Brooklyn, The Journal Gallery, 106 Green, MoneyGram, and Edward Thorpe Gallery, amongst other venues. Her work has been featured in New American Paintings and Hyperallergic, Make Magazine, and has been reviewed in the New York Times. She was a 2016 Rima Hortman Emerging Artist Grand Nominee. Her current exhibition, The Vessel, is on view at Tiger Strikes Asteroid in New York through May 8th. I spoke with Allison about growing up in New Haven, transitioning from studying health to art, working hard as a young person, being inspired by traveling to Italy, flirting with fashion, the body in 2D, finding the figure, and much more. Here's our conversation. So where, um, where are you now? You're in Brooklyn, right?
1: I'm in Brooklyn. I live in Williamsburg. My studio is actually on my street, which is really lucky. It's been great during the pandemic. Nice. Um, we're kind of like the last holdouts in this. In It's a building um, on, on Powers, but at Union. So basically by the Lorimer stop. And it's a music production studio. Um, and we just have, there are like five of us there.
0: That's um, great. I mean you're yeah, you're probably yeah. right now around three blocks away from me, so this should be a strong signal. <laughs> right, <laughs> um, right. But that's great. Yeah. I mean that's a convenient studio location.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely really easy. And I live on the same street, so it's kind of like having my studio in my living room, but better because, right, because you don't I have that separation, but I can easily walk a couple blocks and just get there and then put in an hour or two and then come home and and it's been great during the pandemic because i've been working from home i've been tutoring over zoom so that's great i mean it's been great in a lot of ways like i'm very flexible but i also really haven't left this block much in like right. three yeah. years you know or two years at this point um but you know i'm getting a lot of work done which is so
0: good. so during the pandemic you were basically just walking down the street and you were good
1: Pretty much. I mean, we have a shared space. So for the first three weeks or so, or six weeks when nobody knew what was going on, Shut we down. were yeah, yeah. a little hesitant to be all in there together. But once we kind of realized we could go in with our masks at that point, yeah, I basically have been able to work straight through, right? which has been nice. And I definitely was pretty hermetic during the early, you know, 2020, Um, did a lot of drawing um and I feel like now I'm starting to finally come out of it <laughs>
0: yeah I know right it's been a while yeah, we've we've earned exactly. it you know? um, <laughs> exactly um it's so the internet tells me you were born in New Haven
1: yeah yeah well I grew up in New Haven Yeah. you, oh, well, you, right outside you New grew
0: Haven. up there because I talk to a lot of people yeah. who you know their bio says you know, born in Iowa City or something, and then they're like, you "No, know, I grew up in L.A. I, I was just there for like five yeah, yeah, minutes, no, no, no. and I <laughs> took a flight." So no,
1: my dad and my entire like my paternal side of the family has been New Haven for generations, and I grew up in New Haven. I actually grew up in Orange, um, yeah, yeah. But,
0: uh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. Oh, so I mean that's New Haven. I, I it was <laughs> the academic. You went to Yale, right? I, yeah, I went there or, for grad school. Okay, yeah. so I spent so, two glorious years in an apartment right across the street from a moons.
1: Oh, okay. You know, the yeah. Yeah.
0: Place. yeah. 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 But not dissimilar <laughs> to the powers situation. I was like two blocks away from school. So I just, you know, yeah, I, I, it's my really life convenient. existed in a, yeah. a maybe like a five block radius during school.
1: Right. That's how I've been feeling for the past two years, which has been really fantastic actually, because I just have been focused in a new way. Yeah. And, um, not a new way, it's almost like an old way, right. <laughs> like a way I hadn't been postgraduate school, yeah. um you know, until things kind of slowed down. So it's going to be, I've been saying this for about a year, but I was like, it's really going to be a shock. And I have to go back to running around the city because I was tutoring kids. So basically, you know, I'd wake up, I'd do my yoga or whatever it is that I do in the city, go to the gym come back put in hours in the studio and then go tutor for six hours or something but it wouldn't be just like going and sitting at a day job it would be I'd be running around from apartment to apartment on uptown so it just I don't know how we all did what everything we did
0: well you just did it before you just get used to it you don't know (laughs) exactly you know what I mean you never know until you everything in context is so like oh my god like what right you know I think about, lately I've been thinking about here and there when uh, I was in a band and we'd go on tour and we'd be in like a van. Right. It's like, how the hell did I live for like two and a half weeks in a sweaty van, you know, living off truck stop food? And there was no internet, no GPS.
1: Right. Right.
0: You know, but then you just did it because that's what you know, but now it's just like you know, you can't imagine the idea
1: it. of going back to it. I know exactly, exactly. But then I like, I'll have a day when I'm running around and I'm on the subway and I, and you feel that adrenaline rush, and You're like, Oh, right, right. I can do this. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it seems painful. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm slowed down a bit. Like it, the idea of going back to it. it. We'll see what happens.
0: Right. It's, it's recontextualized now, you know, and I think yeah. the whole, you know, remote, work from home, like all that stuff is just now going to be, you know, woven into the fabric of like possibilities of how people like for you doing the tutoring thing, you know, do you have to be there? Really? There was so many times where we you know, were like, do I I think have to be here and it does. That's something. how I feel. You know, it does something.
1: I've only had one in-person student since March, 2020. And I'm like, is this really any different from, me sitting on my couch and and writing on my ipad you can and it's actually great when i can write on my ipad and you just get all my notes sent to you um and it's so much less exhausting for me i can fit in so much more and go to the studio and my brain is just so much more like calm and and (laughs) and um yeah it's just it's just too much running around, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean, there's, there's a lot of jobs that are like that where you can do it remotely. You know, if you're a plumber, right. you, it's, it, there's not, you, you can't know, do there's, that, right? there's plenty you of people who have to like get around and do things. Like the first job I had when I moved to the city was doing windows at Macy's. You can't do that remote. Right. You gotta be there. No, absolutely And to not. your point. But there's that,
1: something to the, you know, idea of like the social interaction of, yeah. of being around people. I mean, my day job isn't particularly socially interactive. I'm dealing with teenagers. I'm not really dealing with my peers, so right. I don't really get that benefit about of, of you know <clears throat> dialogue with other people in my own, my own age or in like my own boat. But you know, I do think there is something to not all be being just you know at home on our couches or at our desks, you know, right, right. on the computer. So I mean, I think it'll be a mix, but. Knows, well that's who knows. What we
0: learned to balance in COVID because at the beginning it was so kind of like shut down lockdown that you know we went to the far end of the spectrum you know what I mean exactly so I think the middle will be much more attainable at this point because remember before it if you ever thought about doing a meeting over zoom or like teaching a class or like any of that it seemed like oh well that's that's not real you can't do that then all of a sudden it was like right. okay we're all remote you know and we all had to figure it out so now yeah we, we all adapted
1: very quickly out of necessity, yeah. so you know I, and and we've all learned a lot from it, so hopefully yeah, there will be a, like a happy medium
0: right for sure, and you know yeah,
1: we'll
0: see. going out now feels nice like you know i've here and there I've seen friends from out of town or have gone to right you know do a couple things, and it's it's really nice like I went to a live show like music mm-hmm. And it was I know it was so I'm, good, I'm
1: missing that. I actually haven't been to a back to like the movies or anything, and I'm like, i yeah, that I need to and not out of any sort of anxiety, it's just I've kind of gotten into my my routine now of just going to the studio and and seeing my handful of close friends right. <laughs> that I've seen through the pandemic, and so every once in a while I am craving like a real party, right. <laughs> like yeah, <something>, yeah. <laughs> you know. But you'll do one, and then you right be like, "All right, I'm good." Deadline, for a year. So. You'll be like, "Exactly." Yeah, that's exactly. all right, That's enough people.
0: I've seen enough people. To me right. Exactly. Days, so the
1: exactly. I feel like yeah. the
0: show I saw, I, I was like, "Okay, I don't need to see a concert for a little while." There's a lot of people, there. <laughs> although I was like in an area where it wasn't that crowded, which felt good. But right. looking down at like the masses, I was like, uh, "You know, you get yeah. a little people anxiety or something." <laughs> right. Right.
1: Well, let's get back to we're New not Haven. Used to it at so, this point.
0: were the parents? Yeah. In academia? Is that what brought them there?
1: No, actually. Um, so my mother was a math teacher, a high school math teacher. That's academia. Um, well, yes, but it wasn't... I mean, yeah, that is academia. But it's not... When people ask me academia in New Haven, most of the time people ask me, do your parents have any affiliation with you? Oh, and what's wrong with the University in,
0: of New Haven? No one right. ever thinks...
1: That. Well, no, no, she wasn't. She wasn't... Right, there's nothing wrong, yeah, actually. No my My that. dad has a slight affiliation with... But my dad really has nothing to do with academia he is he basically drives people to the airport that's his job and my mother passed away in 1999 so she was a high school math teacher for a long time in west haven um but no real affiliation to the universities or so when i think of academia i think of like you know, professorship or whatever. So, and people generally ask that because they're like, why would you be from New Haven? <laughs> I don't know how my family necessarily ended up in New Haven, but um, they, my father's family has been there yeah. for generations. So. Well,
0: it's a, it's a strange yeah. town. It's got that weird dynamic, it is. you know?
1: Yeah. And I actually haven't spent much time there in 15 years. And I'm sure like the last time I was there, it has, it's gentrified a lot and it didn't even feel Really, I was like, "Am I in Harvard Square? What's right. what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Why is there a Tasty Delight?" <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean, it's definitely there's weird town gown relations with Yale. Yeah. Um, but I think that um, you know, it, it, I like I always like New Haven. I'm I, you know, it's there's a lot going on for a small city, but it's definitely a strange. <laughs> A strange
0: place a little bit yeah it was uh it was nice when I was I mean when I it's been 23 24 years since I was there so mm-hmm. it I recently went back for the first time with my son just to you know go eat pizza and we you know we did a little trip the up pizza. north I know <laughs> pizza's good so um <laughs> but it, it did feel really different but when I was there yeah you know I, I you know as a student but i also played music and playing music got me into the scene of like the locals and we would do some things with like meals on wheels for like homeless you know Uh like there was there's other stuff we were doing in the community which was kind of nice so i felt like i got a different side of it but there was definitely yeah you know there was a, a polarity between you know the academic side of the town and then the rest of the town but it seems like maybe Absolutely. that's i don't know smoothed a little bit and
1: so what years were you you were there 98 in the late 99 90s yeah yeah so just as i was leaving <laughs> and going to college yeah. but yeah um i mean i'm sure it's changed a lot since then. i mean the cities in in connecticut in the 90s were rough oh, so yeah. um yeah so Yeah, it's definitely changed a lot since then, but there's definitely tension (laughs) between the university and the surrounding areas, which are especially around Yale. I used to work, so um, I actually did not initially go to college for art. I always thought I'd be an art major, but I went for neuroscience. Um, And prior to college, I was working at Yale Medical School. Um, I took a year off before college because my mother was really sick with cancer and kind of disrupted my senior year. And I was working at the medical school and the medical school is like in the hill, which is just, you know, it's so the tension between the um the surrounding neighborhoods in New Haven and Yale, it's it's pretty, you know, yeah stark contrast. Right.
0: Definitely. Yeah. That sounds like you had that was a pretty yeah. heavy experience. I mean, when you yeah. when you were in high school, I mean, were you drawing? Were you taking art classes? It was something that was all Yeah know, there or
1: I always took art classes. I drew a lot, um, and always took art classes from the time I was like, I don't know, nine or ten years old. And I went to college thinking I'd probably be an art major, but maybe go to medical school. Like, you know, from a Jewish family it was like not <laughs> the plan was not for me to be a professional artist. It was like you'll be a doctor and if right. that doesn't work out, you'll be a lawyer and you know, um, and so, I I never really thought I'd be a professional artist. Wow. Um, and then, my mother was sick. My she got sick my senior fall of high school, um, and she had diabetes and cancer. And she was pretty she was pretty sick my senior year. Um, and then I took a year off because I just had so much trouble with her diagnosis and I was severely depressed yeah, I and I just imagine. wasn't going to school and not dealing with it well. She wasn't that um, old, I'm guessing. So my mother passed away when she was 51. Yeah. So, so she was old. diagnosed in her late 40s. Yeah. Oof. So yeah, and which is really crazy now. I think um Because, you know, as I, I mean, I'm not at that age, but as I'm approaching that age, you know, you start to understand how young that is. My friends are in their late 40s, you know, like I, that's, I'm in my early 40s. It's just, it's so young. I I felt like when I hit 40, it was like, my life is just beginning. And my mother passed away like at 51. That's just insane. So, um, So, yeah, so she was sick my senior year, and then I decided to take time off because my whole, everything was just disrupted. And I happened to be, I guess the year prior, my father, who drives people to the airport, used to have contract with Yale driving doctors to the airport, and he met one doctor, and he said, oh, my daughter is interested in science, whatever, and very precocious and all this, and this doctor um who was a chair of the department of one of them in one of the departments of the medical school kind of took me under his wing and i used to work in his lab and um so i did that prior to my senior year and then when my mother got sick and i was having trouble he was like well why don't you let why doesn't allison just come work for us for a year and she can take classes at the medical school like audit classes and then you know go back to college right. which ended up being kind of wonderful because I took that year off and then when I went to college within six months my mother was out of remission and on the last day of my freshman year of college my mom died so it was fantastic in retrospect that I got to spend that year with my mom.
0: Yeah you had time with it. right,
1: right? Yeah and I remember and I also took a painting class on Audubon Street um, definitely taught by some Yale MFA and I just wish I knew who that was <laughs> That'd be really interesting, but right? it was the to first time I who to... that was. Right, right exactly yeah but yeah, did you
0: I so I would imagine in that experience of working that job being able to audit classes and then going to school you must have was there a fork in the road in your mind of like well medicine medical health art you know
1: it wasn't until I got to college. Um, I and Immediately, my first quarter at college, we had like quarter system. I was taking drawing, and and um, I always was focused on art, um, even in high school. But I started to kind of take these science classes, and I just looked around. And, and maybe I was depressed, and maybe I just didn't want to do the work. I don't know what it was, but I just looked around, and I was like, I can't do this for my entire life. Like, I can't. Like it's not just going to be getting into medical school and then going to medical school and then a residency and an internship. It's just going to be endless with this, um, like this intent with. This sounds awful. With these people around me that I don't find interesting, <laughs> I think I had a great experience at Yale um, prior to college because I was working in a lab where there were just people from all over the world and. I there were people there who was a man that was there from full, from um Frankfurt and he was on a Fulbright and then there were people from Hungary and it was just so fascinating i had so many interesting personalities around me and in retrospect i actually enjoyed Um, the research side of science, and I don't think the research side of science is very different from what we do in our studios. We're constantly researching and, like, plumbing the depths of a subject, whatever it is. Um, No matter how inane, I'm always getting, like, sucked into some sort of rabbit hole. Um, But but the idea of, you know, studying chemistry and all this stuff in school, it just wasn't of interest to me. Um, And midway through my freshman year, my mother was sick again. She was in the hospital. And I just, it kind of was, that's when I kind of had a break. And I was like, you know, I'm either going to go into creative writing or I'm going to go into art because that's what I really enjoy. And um, so then I started really jumping into art and I um, started taking art history classes. And um, I was... I studied abroad a lot in college because I went to Dartmouth and we were on a quarter system and we had the option of going abroad multiple times so I was able to spend 6 months in Italy, 4 months in France and um, studying art history and That'll all of do that. it. That'll um, get you hooked. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> seeing that stuff. Yeah, and from, I actually thought You know, the,
0: if we did, yeah. I, I imagine you felt like this separation from the day-to-day here and there's, it's there's like a romance to like seeing the work over there and just being somewhere new and it yeah. must have been enchanting. I
1: mean, and actually it was both of those trips were right after my mom died. So the France trip was within a year. And then the following year I was in Italy. And Italy just changed my life. Um, and I have since, I actually didn't go back for like 17 years after that, just because of circumstances. Being in New York, being an artist, I just wasn't traveling yeah. a lot. Um but then, in twenty eighteen, I got a residency to Italy, and I spent six weeks there and then the following summer, I went back again um But Italy and that work, and I actually so I spent i guess three or four months in Florence um studying our history through Dartmouth, and it was just an unbelievable experience we had access to things like we were we were able to go through the Vasari corridor and by ourselves like I was there was a Rembrandt in there that's not even behind glass and you can just be right up there we got into the Uffizi when it was entirely closed and it was just us in the Uffizi (laughs) and like we just got to see things that I mean it was just mind-blowing and um, and then I spent the summer um, after that painting and drawing in Umbria at a small um, art school that was, it wasn't affiliated with the Art Institute of Chicago, but there was a lot of faculty from the Art Institute of Chicago and students from the Art Institute of Chicago. And um, it was a very different experience because if you go to a liberal arts school and you're studying art, you have so many other things going on. Yeah. So you're committed, but you're taking, you know, two two hour classes a week. You're not in the studio the way an art student is. So it was it was interesting for me to see that and to be around people who had just been you know focused on painting since they were starting school at 18 um but at that point I actually thought going into my the end of my um you know the my senior year of college um I actually thought I was going to go into fashion design and so I actually visited Central Saint Martins it was like around I don't know it was like 2001 at that point um and that was kind of like the place to be. Alexander McQueen had just come out of there, Stella McCartney and all of these designers, Hussein Shalayan. Um, and I kind of thought that I wanted to do that instead. Um, and I put together a portfolio and I visited Central Saint Martins and they made it clear to me that like, I could absolutely come there, but I would have to start over and get a BFA. Um, which makes sense because I had no experience mm. constructing clothing. Yeah. You know, I may have had an idea, but I was a little arrogant, and I was like, I just am graduating. From, you know, and I, I'm an artist. I'm not doing another bachelor's degree, and I'm yes. And I remember going to the National Portrait Gallery and like sitting in the National Portrait Gallery, and I think I had seen like Frank Auerbach, and I used to be a very brushy, thick oil painter mm-hmm. type, and I was just like this is what I am. I'm a painter. And ever since then, um, I just decided I was going to paint. How did the fashion uh, side of it get, I,
0: get into your system? Were you, did you just always love clothes or was it being exposed to that culture? Yeah.
1: I always love yeah, clothes. I always, I, I really, I mean, I still really love fashion and I'm hoping, hoping, I don't know if it's going to work out to be doing something with a fashion line soon. Um, but, I, yeah. I mean, I just, I just always was interested in, um, like sculpt, the the sculptural aspect of, of fashion design. Its relation to the body, the theatrics of of, like of even like, fa- I mean, fashion is high art. So I'm talking like a a an Alexander McQueen or, um, I'm blanking right now. Mutual power. Um. Yes, and there's a woman who makes these 3D printed, um, I'm blanking, um, my idol but come like to me. Junya but Watanabe, <laughs> like
0: the sort of artists of the... Exactly, of the thing. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. But ultimately, I'm not a sculptor by any stretch of the imagination. I am definitely... Uh, 2d 2D artist (laughs) and i think yeah and i and i i guess i i kind of realized i was like well you know i could go into fashion design but if it doesn't work out to the point where i'm like a huge success and in order to be a huge success i probably need tons of capital behind me that i do not have (laughs) um or clout in some way um I would end up being like a sweatshop worker, and I am not. I I was like, no, I am too much of an intellectual <laughs> to sit at a sewing machine and do that. So, and plus, ultimately, I've actually tried to, um, you know, I've tried my hand at some of that stuff. But I'm I'm all about instant gratification. Even my work, like I just, you know, as simple as possible, like the quickest way to express what I need to express. Direct. And yeah. It so looks it's very anything direct. that requires – Right. So anything that requires like excessive labor or, you know, even printmaking is challenging for me because it's like once I spit something out, I'm on to the next idea. And it's like I just don't want to tweak. I don't want to get caught in details. I built a maquette for the show that I have coming up and it's like it's agonizing for me to have to do that sort of work. It's just not right. in my nature.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. I it seems like you have a good, maybe it wasn't purposeful, but the plan of just you know, do your work, and then maybe you can end up collaborating in a sense with fashion, right. and that that could be the way to to scratch that itch. Because I exactly. have uh, very close people who work in fashion. It, it if the if you think the art world's bad.
1: <laughs> well, that was the other thing is that I was like, I don't think I want to be around this level of toxicity in terms of like drugs and eating disorders <laughs> yeah. and all of this. I mean that's the art world's, you know, all of that stuff is going to, but I just feel like the culture surrounding women in the fashion industry is incredibly toxic. Um,
0: yeah. And on the works, and that
1: concerned me right. at 22, 23. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But on the work side of it, you might as well yeah. work in your own sweatshop than for some fashion company.
1: <laughs> exactly. Try to
0: make exactly. your own mark and then collaborate with the fashion line to do something like
1: exactly. that. Exactly. And I think I mean now that's pretty I mean not easy to see I guess but like it's a very different time than it was in 1999 right. 2000 I don't I mean now it's almost like every artist has like the opportunity to to put their whatever it is on a bag or yeah, right <laughs> Yeah that I don't wasn't think as that common. sort of like co branding was happening yeah. in 1998 That's true But
0: um that's <laughs> like being a rapper but, back then know. too It's like now everyone's collaborating with people but you know
1: exactly
0: yeah it's it's different now yeah
1: yeah for sure
0: well you were prophetic in that sort of you know (laughs) ambition to collaborate with the fashion brand in the future so so when you were at school how did it go I mean obviously that being over there had a big impact I mean what kind of work did you start making when you started making work like okay I'm making art you know what I mean we all sort of like draw or do some things and then it kicks in and you're like okay I want to do this and like where right. did you gravitate to would you always direct, like you were saying, where you just no, get it out?
1: I mean I think I I always was a drawer. Um and painting always was challenging for me. Um, because I think I had a separation in my mind between painting and drawing. And I think that I often would have a strong idea and then I would obscure the idea and paint. And so I think my time at Dartmouth, I was really just beginning. I, I mean, I I didn't start painting until maybe my junior year. Then I went abroad and they wanted me to paint the landscape. And it was just so overwhelming to me. First of all, I've never been interested in that. But also the tonal landscape, the vast tonal landscape of like Umbria in Italy, looking at these miles and miles of fields from on top of a hill it's just like and trying to express that on the picture plane is incredibly difficult Um, and you have to have such a strong knowledge of you know tonal color and. it was just not my thing so even when I was there I was basically drawing and painting from the model and then when I got back to school um, or even prior to that I was mostly doing figurative work and after college, I felt like I was just kind of getting started, and so I did a post back at um, Brandeis um, and which is a very very heavily like it's an old-school painting program and At that point, I was making small sculptures that were figurative, biomorphic, I would say. So basically, I would create a wire armature and I would sew satin. There's some of the sewing. I would sew kind of satin onto the wire armature and create these biomorphic forms. And then I would paint from the sculptures. But they were never um, observational. They always became abstracted into something else. And I think that's what often happened to me with oil paint, particularly, is that I would start with an idea and then it would just take on a life of its own, which is not a bad thing inherently, because I think there is something interesting that can happen, um, you know, when you start with an idea, but you're not entirely wedded to it, and then you find the painting as you go. Um, But it was never satisfying for me, and it was also incredibly stressful because there would just be so much failure involved so like every time I stepped to the painting it was like a cathartic experience <laughs> where it's like either I came out elated and on top of the world I felt like everything was aligning in the universe or I just wanted to kill myself <laughs> it's just no like I can't, this is not a sustainable way <laughs> of painting but I continued that way of painting through Hunter I actually had gotten into Hunter um, when I was in boston doing that post-bac and i moved to new york um and this was i guess 2004 um and i was supposed to go to hunter at that point and i just was still a little confused and i i just and at that point my mother had passed away only like five years ago so i was still kind of in this crazy headspace of <laughs> like not knowing kind of what was up and I moved to the city and I was supposed to start at Hunter and I decided to postpone so I ha- ended up having to apply to Hunter twice so I ended up going two years later um in 2006 I started what did you do in between were you just working I had a studio on um I was on Smith and 9th street that big building right by the Lowe's yeah um they were just starting to build out studios there and actually I think a number of people from who had finished the Columbia MFA program had a floor, and then there were a couple floors above. And I was in a I was the floor above them. Um, so I had a studio there. I—I I did it like I did the Vermont Studio Center. I just was trying to keep things up, and I was working at studio in a school in an, um, an administrative capacity for a year or so. So I was just working and painting, and then I decided, okay, it's time. And so I reapplied. I ended up going to Hunter. Um, what was the mindset going
0: in? Because you had that work you were doing at Brandeis. You had the work you were doing before. Mm-hmm. You know, did you feel like this is a new... Because yeah. Hunter, you know, I, from what I gather, is, you know, a place where you mm-hmm. can do your thing and, and you're going to have some faculty, that right. diverse faculty that will give you some pretty good, you know, input. But, I mean, what was the mindset yeah. of, like, here's where I'm going to really work out my voice in it? Or did you already... Th- know the voice and it was just a matter of making the work.
1: Well, I, I think at that point I'd already kind of like broken myself down. So I didn't, I kind of went in not knowing where I was at. Cause I had a, I kind of had this body of work that was kind of abstract that I was making. Um, when I was at that post-bac and then it wasn't interesting to me. And so I was basically doing collages as a, when I reapplied to graduate school. Um, the second time and um so very different from what I was accepted on the first time (laughs) and I I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do and so my first couple of my first semester or so at Hunter was rough I think I had difficulty accepting that I was a painter because I'm very much an idea person and as I said I tend to lose the idea when I make oil paintings so it just felt like you know I, when I went to Hunter, the thing about Hunter is you don't just come in with ten painters you come in with a lot of people doing a lot of different things and I immediately became friends with a bunch of video artists and people doing all sorts of like um, social practice work and um, was introduced to a different side of art history like the situation it's international all this stuff and I was like what am I doing um because my intellect is really attracted to these other things but what I like to make and what I what sustains me is this like emotive sort of artwork so it took me a while to kind of Except this is what i do and i had to kind of get all of my art history out of the way immediately because my brain i just like couldn't make work and be thinking in that way like my inner critic would shut everything down so by the time i got to kind of my mid-program i was making oil paintings again very colorful brushy oil paintings um that had masked figures like i sometimes and often still paint now I was painting sharks and bagheads basically (laughs) um these these masked figures but they were still very abstracted there were never really bodies um they sometimes would have these like ribbony bodies but there was just never um there was this suggestion of the human form and the content is probably not dissimilar to what I do now but it was always um masked in some way And so I actually was pretty happy with my mid-program work at Hunter, and then I kind of broke myself down again. And by the time I did my thesis, it was like a whole other body of work that I (laughs) Uh, I wasn't. I mean, we because that's the thing. Like, yeah, and I was there for three and a half years. So, oh wow, that's um, a good. By the time amount of time, yeah. So it's a lot. Right, there's just no way. And um, so then I kind of came out, and I was painting and. You know, I, the thing about Hunter is you're immediately exposed to the art world, like while you were there. So I was showing a little bit here and there, um, you know, in Chelsea at the time with the work that I was making. Um, but it was, it was not really sustainable because as I said, like I would make, I was making very, very large paintings and. There was a lot of figuring out what the painting needed as I went along and a lot of failure inherent in that and a lot of um just kind of getting too lost along the way um and so at one point I think it was it must have been 2014 so maybe four years after I was I finished at Hunter four and a half um I sat down on my floor and I just started making these drawings with a brush and acrylic paint. Um, And I generated tons, like stacks and stacks of drawings. And that's kind of like what has become my current body of work. And I started to make paintings from these drawings. I guess what had happened was I was in the middle of an oil painting and I just felt totally lost. A figure was emerging. I was like, what, where is this going? How am I gonna, I'm just going to sit down and draw. And I started making these drawings and they were very strange and, and just linear black and white drawings very directly sexual and and uh, figurative and um, I started to then reincorporate those into the paintings and so I have some kind of transitional paintings that may have like a spray painted background and then part of one of these drawings on top or whatever but ultimately I realized that the drawings themselves were more interesting than the paintings so I began in making paintings that we're just direct translations of the drawings it's that old and old i've adage been doing that of yeah. you know
0: drawings hold the key to your to your paintings or like other work years ahead of time exactly usually. you know like if you look back at the, the the things that you're doing it doesn't have to necessarily be drawings but things that you're doing that you're not you feel a little freer in it like all your eggs aren't Mm -hmm. in a basket With drawing it's a little you're playing with house money it's like well it doesn't matter i could just rip it up or whatever but there's like glimmers of what will come usually in that kind of work yeah so and speaking yeah and i remember
1: this. in graduate school making tons of drawings that were super interesting like funny and way better than my paintings and i wish at some point somebody had just said you know what why don't you just take this drawing and just put it on the canvas and just directly you know however you get it there whether you whether you grid it whether you project it just put it on the canvas um but i always felt that that was kind of cheating yeah And I don't know, it's like some weird work ethic I have that I was just like, it's cheating. It needs to be found. Um, And yeah, so I've kind of given that up.
0: Yeah, but if you do a million of them, I think that's the key out of it. It's like if you do a drawing in like, you know, 10 seconds, it just comes out and you think, oh, well, that's too easy or it's too, there's not enough invested in it. We'll do 5,000 of them and you'll feel invested
1: exactly and then
0: you'll probably right. you know drawing I tell students that all the time drawing 5,000 is gonna there's something else is gonna happen like you're gonna learn something
1: yeah and now I mean I do mo- well it's changed at first I would do most of my thinking on the drawing and I would try to get like the perfect drawing and then I would translate it directly to the canvas and now I'm doing something a little different where I'll just like work ideas out on different drawings and then kind of collage them onto the canvas or some of the canvas, some of the painting might be free drawn, you know, like uh, freehand added to something that I've already figured out on paper. But, you know, to your point of doing something over and over again, it's set up this new kind of problem in my process um, or in my practice where like so for example, I have a show coming up at TSA in Brooklyn, um, and I had made this seven-foot painting prior to finding out that I was going to have this show, and it doesn't fit in the space, but I want that painting in the show, so it's from a drawing, so I remade it, and I often remake my paintings, um, and it becomes this, like, printmaker's problem, where it's like, well, these are, they're, they're not additions, they're, they're unique multiples, but they're all kind of different, and it really, like, it's difficult for me because I get very OCD about it. I was like, well, this one's better because it does this, this, and this, but it, this one also does this other thing. And it would be really interesting to just make 20 of the same paintings and have a show with 20 of the same painting and all of the minute changes that occur because each one is a different drawing. Right. So um, that's just something that is kind of, you know, cropped up in my in my practice as my work has changed that would be something that i I never really thought about before um but yeah that's kind of you know just making the same thing over and over again you actually learn quite a bit
0: definitely yeah like the iterations of it and there's something about the multiple it's funny because you can have multiples if you look like warhol or you know that kind of multiples where it has to do with kind of uh you know, commercialization of production or something being repeated. Right. Mass production. Right. Uh, consumer goods or whatever. But whenever if I imagine one of your paintings and like, you know, fifty iterations of a figure taking their shirt off or something, then right. that has nothing to do with mass production. It has more to do with almost like an obsessive exploration of a of a psychological <laughs> feeling. Which is compelling,
1: right. and know? that, by the way, is the painting that I just. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but no, yeah, I look, it's like, <laughs> I've seen your poem. Yeah, you know, I'm
0: looking. And the it's you know, driving me. It's, it's yeah, a it's little getting, crazy. It's getting you crazy. Um, it works There's something about that, though. I think that I mean, where we can mm-hmm. talk and, and sort of merge these two paths is like we haven't talked about the subject matter quite as much, but I think it 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 seems to blend. You know that directness. You know, merging mm-hmm. with the sort of in-your-face subject matter, you know, I think right. is uh, is really interesting, you know. And then, you know, this new right. the, the some of the newer images that I saw, like, you know, the figure just laid bare in front of the viewer, disrobing, mm-hmm. and then next to that, mm-hmm. seeing an image of a more complex patterning and in the in the the figure becoming like part of ornament, you know what I mean? Right becomes a right. really interesting dichotomy and dynamic you know between the two right and the direct like the, yeah, the ornamental thinking. decorative stuff in the one with the the figure in the face I think mm-hmm. is complicated but it's still very direct and there's something nice about that right you know it's got right. both it, it gives you both worlds but it's inter- it's more interesting next to an image where it's just the figure too so it's, it's almost like right they right. all it's a sum of the parts you know
1: right yeah, I mean directness is very very important to me and I'm all about an economy of means. So like almost like a physicist who's just like, you know, anything um that is unnecessary gets kind of you know, removed from the equation and I just it's it's a challenging thing like how how little can you do? Um how how few lines can you draw and express what you need to express. So um, I'm actually working on a painting now that um, is not just line drawing. And it's challenging for me because, I mean, part of it is aesthetically, I'm just not um, interested in any sort of fussy rendering. Like I like the idea of painting in different styles on a canvas, but ultimately like anything that feels fussy to me is just, I don't know, it turns me off. So, so I'm having difficulty with this this painting because it feels like, do I need all of this paint to express what I need to express? Now, are you doing um, that because you,
0: know, you feel like almost like, well, I gotta try to do that or I gotta squeeze that in? Like, what is the impulse to do it if it doesn't feel intuitive?
1: Well, it's very particular that, to this drawing that I made. So it's a drawing of a hand pulling it's uh, pulling a painting off of the chest of a woman and sometimes things that work in drawing don't work in painting yeah. so you know the line drawing works on paper but when i tried to do it on canvas um it just didn't have the same impact so i thought well maybe part of it needs to be painted so that there is a contrast between the painting that's being pulled off the chest and and the figure itself. And so it's not necessarily about setting up a challenge just for the sake of the challenge. It's just whatever a particular image calls for.
0: I totally get it. I have that in my work too. I I tend to simplify things, but there are times Mm -hmm. where a painting calls for complexity, even if it doesn't feel great to do it. But then at the end of it, you're right. like, okay, that needed that. It's funny because the relationship right. I was thinking of earlier, when you were in Italy looking at the landscapes, mm-hmm. of the complex right. overview, and you were like, yeah, that's not, that's not what. I <laughs> that's <laughs> and thinking me. of you thinking right, about exactly. like a simple, f- not simple, but a, a more direct figurative drawing being a painting, it's almost like that. What you saw in Italy is almost like, um, you know, a Beethoven piece. It's like orchestration or like classical music. And you're thinking right. of, like, singer-songwriter stuff. You know, direct. Here's right. my voice, and it's, there's no right. fluff. But right. in this instance, you're but saying... But both are
1: capable of expressing emotion. Oh, well, of course. It's just a very different... Yeah, yeah. right?
0: Different means, different so, associations, yeah. and a different element of, you know, one is talking about beauty or, like, this sort of, like, a poetic of complexity, um, and the other one is more about earnestness and straightforward and connecting like how directly right. can I connect with a viewer or listener? You know, it's like Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. you know, or like mm-hmm. Bessie Smith versus you know a, a big orchestrated song by someone. You know that right. like Led right. Zeppelin or something. You know, it's both fa- the foundation is the same. They're images, like right. a drawing and a painting, or their their songs. But they get to a, mm-hmm. a, a slightly different place in a in a very different way. But the core is still right. the same thing. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's. You know sometimes when i try new things like that i can't tell if i'm uncomfortable because it's not my taste my aesthetic or if it's because it doesn't work and it's hard to know i've i've made this painting at this point like 10 times (laughs) i'm just trying to nail it and it may it may be that it just needs to be on a different surface um and maybe that means it doesn't work in this show in particular because in this particular show i'm thinking more about installation and i'm actually incorporating paintings with drawings and and wall painting and you know so maybe it just doesn't work in this way and maybe it comes later but yeah. we'll see
0: yeah I, I think that you know well there's a segue there what kind of music do you like are you is music part of your life oh.
1: yeah I mean it's I, it really varies quite a bit like um depending on what mood I'm in depending on what time of day um like Yesterday my friend had sent me this link to um a DJ that we know who does an M- WFMU show called Rolling Motion um and he had started a noise Label in the '90s, and this was just a playlist of lots of like obscure Italo disco, and I just kind of got into this like like Italo disco rabbit hole last night when I should have been sleeping, but I'm all revved up from being in the studio, and I just like, you know, was Googling this song that I would heard that I'd never heard of, and I was like, kind of like on YouTube, and like I was like, well, this is weird because. Once you kind of know one weird Italo disco song and you kind of put it into YouTube, like, this whole world opens up of, of bizarre songs that, you know, anyhow. But, <laughs> so that was kind of what happened to me last night. Um, but my, um, my music tastes are really, really, really varied. So, I mean, if I had to put myself, you know, in an era, it would definitely be like a post-punk sort of.
0: There you go. See that both of that kind of makes sense though. Not that it needs to with the work because with the, work. <laughs> yeah. the post-punk is the direct kind of like in-your-face, you know, raw rawness of the yeah. image, and yeah. then the the disco is kind of like the glamorous kind of sexual, you know, dance around that in a way. And I think yeah. both of those elements yeah. are in the work. I mean, the, right. from an outsider. I mean, at the
1: same time, like yesterday, I was like, I'm gonna get all like revved up listening to like DMX you know (laughs) I was like that's gonna be like my fight call in the studio but I I just you know so I things you know I listen to lots of different stuff um but definitely I think there's an aesthetic to my work that feels very post-punk I actually the residency that I did in Italy um I was really fortunate enough to um I was I spent like three actually it was yeah, I was like three or four weeks on an olive oil farm in, in Tuscany. Oh, wow. Um, but it was, it was funded by an organization that's now in L.A. called Some Serious Business, which is a performance art platform for the most part um, that was started in the 70s. And they worked with people like Linda Benglis and Constance DeJong and a lot of people um, in New York. And they're now based in L.A., um, and the woman who founded that was Lydia Lunch's, like, manager in New York back in the day. Yeah. So Lydia Lunch is on the board of that. So that, that is definitely, like, that no-wave era definitely comes through in my work, I think. Yeah. Um, aesthetically. Um, there's something raw and direct and emotive. And the contrast of, like, even those films. Like, I don't know why I... I mean, it, I like a Richard Kern film, like that kind of. Um, I mean, yeah, there, that sort of aesthetic is definitely there. Yeah, I would yeah, no, that's it's yeah.
0: it's really it's funny because, you know, that that rawness of the work is something I really respond to, and um, mm-hmm. and I was really excited to see, like I was saying, that the dynamic between the two, of that. I don't know how much of your work in the past was kind of. It's not like this the the interior with the figure on what looks like a vase, you know, like the complexity of that mm-hmm. background. It's it's very direct. It's not like like you're saying like tons of colors and oil paint m- mashed right. around, but it's got a Matissean sort of like you know direct lyrical complexity to it. And it's really nice uh-huh. to see that in relation to some of those really raw in your face. Here's the image, you know what I mean? Is that something? Yeah, that, that was you're, a
1: new thing. Like I I guess. In graduate school, I did make a few paintings that had setting um, to them, but it's hard for me. I'm always focused on the object, like the, the subject, the um, object and subject, those are ob- the object that I'm painting, which is the subject, you Wait. know? Wow. Um, and <laughs> I'm always um, focused on a form, and I don't often give a lot of consideration to what's happening around that form. And I think that I, I did a few paintings. I made a few paintings in grad school where I really was focused in on that. But it's never come easily to me. Um, and with that particular painting that borrows from the Matisse um, Egyptian curtain painting. Oh, it does? I was thinking, yes. I guess that's what so I saw. It's, <laughs> I, OK, that's it's what you're, Metisian, yeah. Yeah. So it. In the back of your mind, you probably were like, hmm, yeah. I love <laughs> um, it. It's but like, it definitely is borrowing from yeah. the Egyptian curtain. And I do quite quote a lot, um, quite a lot from various, like even the woman um, pulling off her shirt is um, references a Klimp painting, uh, not a painting, a Klimt drawing. Um, so there are definitely references like that. I
0: love that. It's like sampling. On, do you remember the band okay. uh, Portishead? Yes. You know how they used to sample thing what you said that in a way of like, oh, did, what's the relationship? Well, to I
1: mean it's just like I, no, it's just no, I don't have a particular relationship to I feel like everybody in in their, you know, early forties or late forties, like early or late forties has some sort of relationship to Portis had, you know? I yeah. don't know. It was just
0: Yeah, no, I haven't thought about that in a no while to be can, honest. But they there's yeah. a sort of uh directness to those lyrics and a. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then there's the samples behind it which brings you to another place in a way it's kind of interesting like those kind of like sampling can take something that's really raw and then really make it much more complex as far as the sort of conceptual reading and the emotional content because it 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 transports you to another place but what I think is kind of genius about the way that you're doing is it's within the, 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 the dialogue of the way that you're making the marks on the other figures and the other things that are very personal or seemingly personal or direct, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it's something I've been thinking about a lot because there's a lot of quotation that's going on in painting. And for me, it often falls into the realm of kitsch. And I'm very, very unattractive <laughs> to kitsch. Like, I really, I find it repellent. Like, I just, and it's not necessarily, I mean, it's just like a taste thing. Right. Like, there are just certain things that I can't, I just, I just don't like um and so you know i'm constantly thinking about what does it mean to appropriate in that way and what is the line you know and i it's maybe a conversation that almost doesn't matter anymore but i still think it does to me like if i'm if i'm pulling from a photograph oftentimes i'll i'll draw from a photograph taken by an artist and then Am I stealing, you know, like what is, for me, that transfer of media makes it okay. You know, if I'm drawing something from somebody else's image, it becomes a totally different thing. But what becomes difficult, and the reason why this has been something that I think thought, that I've thought about a lot, is because my work is so reduced. If I'm looking at... um Illustration. So, if I'm looking at a graphic novel and borrowing from that, it's it's a tricky line. So, there is a um, an Italian graphic artist, um, Guido Crepax. I can't. Remember. I don't know if that is his, how you pronounce his last name. Um, but he did a graphic novel interpreting the story of O. And I just wouldn't even look at it because I was just so scared that I was going to unconsciously yeah, yeah. steal from it. And and it's just his his style is so stark black and white line drawing that it just becomes a little too close. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. You you know, I think if it feels right to you, that's the biggest thing. Because like you were right. saying, you know, like the kitschiness. I mean, if it's air sats, it's, if it's like, you know emotive in a sort of like quotational way it's going to feel cheesy or forced or something but if it just feels real and right. you're responding to it then you know we as artists just have to listen to ourselves in that sense like if we
1: exactly. if we
0: trust we're using that influence in the right way and it's integrated mm-hmm. into what we're thinking and it's a, it's an honest relationship to it I think it works if it's just like oh I'll just yeah. use that because that kind of looks cool and I think that fits this idea then it's just gonna be kind of kitschy or or a little, you know
1: right, right.
0: No, it won't feel right. Yeah,
1: and it's difficult with figuration. I've just been noticing a lot of figuration that kind of quotes and um it's almost just like too formulaic and kitschy for me. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's important for us to kind of build off build on art history. I mean, obviously, um, you know, all artists do that um but how do we make it our own and how do we incorporate it in a way that's like you know um recognizable but not obvious well
0: it's good though that they exist that work you don't like because a it separates you from from the rest of them and then b there are people who love that kind of stuff you know there's people love the course i mean look at you know andy warhol right just like bathed in exactly, it, you know, and exactly. made something of Yeah, and it's not it.
1: a judgment call, yeah. it's just for me, right. it's just something it's like what that I... what yeah. you respond to basically. I'm, it's anathema to me, right? Like, it just cannot, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you know, yeah. we have blanket people, like, oh, yeah, I just, I don't like abstraction, I don't get it. You know, right. or I, right. figure right. I've seen a figure a million times, I'm over it. You know, everyone you can't, you just right. gotta do what I think is within you, like, what you feel like is what you need to get out And if you're if you're true to that, people will respond to it. You know, if it's forced, right, mm, right. whatever. (laughs) Exactly. Maybe that's a lot to ask for, but I feel like my whole thing is I just want to feel like when I'm looking at something, I feel that the artist was really was in it. You know what I mean? I don't know what that means, but but that they were in it. It wasn't just like "Eh, I'm just gonna make this today.
1: Right. It wasn't on tram. I'm just making the, or I'm just not, I'm making this because, you know, it's going to go over well. Right. <laughs> you know? right, It's like, it needs to feel authentic in some way, even if there's a sense of detachment, like planned detachment. Um, Somehow it needs to feel authentic.
0: Yeah. Because I think we, deep down, we want to feel like the people who are doing this endeavor that, that we're in, are like believe in, or they're, they're bringing everything to the table. You know what I mean? It's,
1: Right. Like right. you wouldn't
0: go out on like a soccer field and play with teammates who are like, yeah, I don't really like soccer. I'm just gonna try to do this today because I like right. these shoes. <laughs> like it right. doesn't work, right. you know. <laughs> exactly. Like in art, you right. could have people exactly. who are just like, yeah, I don't know. I'll do this painting thing. I'll do this sculpting thing. You know what I mean? And just, yeah, just like right. that. I like going to openings or whatever. That kind of BS. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want right. to be on Instagram and right. have a lot of followers or what. You know, whatever the motives are, but like you know, you want right. you want people to feel it. And, uh, you know, I feel that way about music, too. don't care what the genre is. Right. You know, as long as, like, it moves or you feel like, oh, yeah, they're really, you know, you may not be into disco, but this band is doing it. Right. Exactly. (laughs) You know what I mean? Exactly. I get it. Right. So this show that you have coming up, what's, uh, it's TSA?
1: It's a TSA. um, Yeah. And Vincent Como is um, putting it together. Nice. Technically, he is the one who has invited me um, to put together a project. Um, I'm, ex- I'm excited because it's giving me an opportunity to try out some new things. So I'm doing, it's actually, the show is called The Vessel, and it's basically about that vessel that you were describing yep. from that painting um, with the Egyptian curtain. And um, there's going to be a wall painting and some sort of disjointed narrative with paintings around the space along with a number of drawings um, because really 90% of my process is drawing. Um, And hopefully it's going to feel like the narrative is somehow flowing from this mysterious vessel, kind of like the blue box in Mulholland Drive, how the narrative kind of unfolds out of that blue box that's never defined. I kind of want it to feel like this narrative kind of pours from this vessel. We'll see how that works. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, yeah, it's all going to come together somehow within a week and a half. So,
0: Wait, when does this show open?
1: Yeah, it <laughs> opens on April 2nd. Holy. So, So that'll yeah. be
0: probably yeah. right around when, yeah, so people go check it out. If you're in Brooklyn or yeah. New York or the New York area or passing yeah. through the New York area. Yeah. Or if people yeah. can't be in New We're York. We're timing this well. Right. <laughs> If people can't be in New York, the best way is like on social media website, like how can they check out you and your stuff?
1: My social media is just Alison J. Evans on Instagram. And I, I, so basically actually, so I've now started incorporating my middle name and my artist name. This is just a 2022 thing. I'm trying it out, but I've always had my middle initial on all of my social media. So it's Alison J. Evans. On Instagram and my website.
0: But it's J-A-E.
1: Well, J-A-E is my middle name. Right. My um, my Instagram is just the initial, and my website is just the initial.
0: Got it. It's a nice middle name.
1: So, yeah, my mother made it up because she had wanted to name me Allison Page but then my initials would have been ape so she <laughs> right, decided <that's> <laughs> because <That was> a <laughs> responsible parent <laughs> right. that's a responsible parent right right so she was thinking ahead so instead of like I'd never be able to monogram anything so um monogram is that the, It sounds uh oh, yeah no i'm really tired that's it that's right right but monogram yeah so anyhow i'm just <laughs> It's, it's, my synapses are not firing correctly today it, no that was but, that was um,
0: smart on her part
1: that was correct i mean that right? would be like allison, so, um, allison
0: sarah smith it's like come on we don't right, need, right. We you don't gotta need to do watch that to out a for young that person. stuff
1: don't do right <laughs> right life is hard enough right, right. <laughs> don't make it harder she did write. so i mean i think allison page is the night nice, it's funny i think my middle name or even Paige would have maybe fit suited me better than Allison. I think Allison is a name for a blonde. I just don't think
0: huh. I could see that. I don't know, I, I could, could be that.
1: wrong, but I just don't feel like it. But you know, here we are. So um that's my middle name, yeah. And it was my grandfather and it was named after my great grandfather. Nice. So she just made that up. Yeah.
0: Sounds good. Well, um anyhow, that's I'm excited to see the show. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to see your show. I haven't emerged yet to see oh, that, <laughs> to see. It, yeah, hopefully and it, it's, and I, it's
0: worth you know getting out <laughs> of the cave to check it out. You know, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, it's about I'm being sure it in a be. cave for two years, basically the work. So it.
1: I mean, I don't know that anything could not be at this point, I know, right? right? Like we just have all been.
0: That was pretty heavy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, um, yeah. it was great to meet and talk
1: yeah yeah thank you <laughs> hopefully we will meet in person yes sometime yeah soon.
0: i know this is like zoom <laughs> meeting is so much of meeting these days but yes hopefully in person soon and um good luck with yeah. the show and it was great talking thank you thanks
1: good to talk to you too